is scattered. The pain inside, like sharp glass, I wish it subside. I'm an empty shell and I have no pride. I just wish to take a trip, a glide on your wings outside in the sky. I know you'll bring all of my pain to smithereens, but where are you? All I see is my sinnings. I need you, God. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel your presence. I'm lost. I'm absent. My mind knows you are heaven sent. But it's my heart that feels the complete opposite. I've seen the demon's eyes laughing at my expense. As I draw closer to you, they growl and they torment. Demons of my past from loneliness to depression, lustful thoughts, sexual aggression, spiritual regression. I'm in a recession. Leaves the salvation to question, and yes, and I'm second guessing. Same old sin. How can I claim to learn a lesson? I'm a hypocrite. Indulging in second life sessions, pretending to self, pretending to sleep, but have no rest in. Back aching, heartbreaking, self manipulation, not the master. I failed at debating. How long will I be waiting for this, this, this dryness to be quenched? It's, it's aiding my suspense. My shoulders are so tense. Feels like the demon's jaws are waiting for me to flinch. I'm tired of the same old. This demon must break a hole, rebuke it and let it go, let it go, let it go. He hates you and wants your soul. But remember. Wow, if you're wondering who's saying all this on this <laughs> track, it's the man in front of me. Hello. Smiley. Jason Abrams. Man, this is going to be an exciting episode. I'm telling you guys, exciting episode. I mean, it's just all set up for it. For that that music, did you hear that music? That beat, I like. Where you get that beat from? I I made it. Okay, so he white. You making some beats for my podcast? <laughs> or just, I mean, you know, I can play around with a little bit of things. Just, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So I don't got time to introduce Smiley. I'm gonna let Smiley do it himself. So Smiley, just tell the people who you are about yourself, and why do we call you Smiley anyway? All right, so uh, I am known as Smiley. It's a preferred name, um, and a lot of it has to do with my testimony. Um, but just to know a little bit about me, um, I am a area director for a ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship that is a national college ministry that's been around for decades. Uh, and I supervise the state of Mississippi, uh, Memphis and West Florida, uh, that campuses in that area and staff and volunteers and student leaders um, really bringing the gospel to the campus and um, helping equip students to be leaders uh, in their area. Uh, a lot of the reasons why I'm called Smiley is, uh, like I said, my testimony, but when I was growing up, um, I'm the youngest and the world revolved around me as the youngest kid. I don't know if you got any siblings, um, but as the youngest one. Got three. <laughs> yes. Three of them. And so the youngest one, like me, is the spoiled one. Uh, I said my parents got it right the third time. Uh, <laughs> so um, basically, um, I was a goody two shoes. Uh, I was, um, you know, grew up in a church. I was throwing people in hell because I was so good. And so yeah. if anybody ever did anything wrong, I would tell them they're going to hell if they did say the cuss word or sung bad songs or whatever. Right. Don't do wrong around smiling. And that's and, how it was. Yeah. But I believe it was God's grace that helped me out of my self-righteousness. Um, and it was really uh, when my father got sick. Uh, he had diabetes. His kidneys failed. He went blind. Um, and all that kind of happened at once. And he was bedridden. And so what happened for me, um, I ended up going in homeschool. Um, and, and I was about sixth grade. And I was at home with him to take care of him. He was doing at-home dialysis. Mm -hmm. And so my my life was no longer about me. It was about um, making sure my dad was taken care of. Wow. And then, and I say it just like this, um, to let you know a little bit of how my self-righteousness. 13? I was, yeah, I was. 13 years old? 11. 11? Yeah. Wow, that's such a young age yeah. to be dealing with something like that for real. Yeah, I started, yeah, it was 11. Wow. And so uh, when... While I was in home, and I say I say this just like this, my sister, 
had the audacity to get pregnant and as a teenager. And I say it just like that because of my self-righteousness and my pride. I said that she ruined my family's name when she got pregnant. Mm. And so at 12 years old, I'm seeing uh, now my house is me taking care of my baby nephew while my sister finished school, changing his diaper, making sure he's fed, making sure the house is clean. Yeah. Um, and my dad did at home dialysis. So making sure things was wiped down, moving the boxes that he received. Cause it was like, our house was smelling like a hospital, uh, cooking breakfast for him. And then in the meantime, doing a couple hours of schoolwork, so that's, that was my life. And so it really wasn't about me anymore. And when that happened, I'm trying to figure myself out. So I started wearing all black. I started growing my hair out. I was trying to find, and most people in middle school are trying to figure themselves out, yeah. right? Their identity. And so I was trying to figure out my identity, but I was, I was, my identity was bound in the fact that um, how much I could achieve and how good I was. But at this point, it didn't matter what I could achieve because I was at home and no one else was seeing me. Um, so I got frustrated. I got angry. Yeah. Um, I was mad that my dad was sick. I was mad that, um, you know, my sister had a baby and I was mad at all these things. And then as I'm watching, I'm seeing a couple things. I'm seeing the joy in my father from an intimacy with Jesus, uh, that he was a minister. Um, he served and was following Jesus. And so even though he was bedridden, I saw this amazing joy that and no one else was around. He was constantly worshiping um, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering. And then I saw also this joy from this child uh, that was unconditional in the way that he loved uh, my sister unconditionally was powerful. And I met Jesus. And when I saw Jesus in these moments, um, I fell in love and started pursuing Jesus myself. And honestly, it was almost like night and day. I started wearing all yellow all the time, smiley face, everything. Wow, yellow. Every day. From Why school. not blue with red? Because smiley yellow? faces. Oh, yellow. Yeah, of course. That, <laughs> they got before, blue smiley faces, don't they? It was before emojis was even a thing. Like, they okay. didn't have blue smiley faces. It was just all yellow. All, all yellow. Time. Just yellow shoes, too? Everything. With the belt yellow? I, I found a yellow belt. Wow. I had yellow pants. Yellow hoodies, uh, yellow shoes. At this time, did you have dreads? So did you have like yellow tips well, at the end of no, your dreads? I had, I had an afro. Uh, and afro was yellow? No, I didn't okay. paint. That's good. I wore That's good, headbands. Yellow headband. Yellow. Yeah. Okay. And do-rags that had yellow in it. Smiley face, do-rags. Uh, so yeah, it was all yellow all the time. And eventually, people just started calling me Smiley. Oh, like wow. it, it wasn't even something I was trying to do. I was just wearing it. And then they just started calling me smiling. Just like that. And I was like, you know what? It makes sense. Right. <laughs> so I just wearing accepted it. yellow. And now I realized that the name was changed. Even though I don't wear smiley faces as much, I still love it. Yeah. But my name was changed to smiley because of the joy I have in my heart. And it's really the intimacy that I have with Jesus that I can have joy regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation. And that's why I prefer the name. And even when I'm not feeling like smiling, someone says, hey, Smiley, I'm reminded <laughs> that wow. I have to smile. So that name is a reminder. It is. Wow. That's powerful right there. Yeah. Just that's, like the name change in the, in the Bible. Like right. people, the name change, it means something. It means something like Paul, Abraham, you know, so many different names, Sarah. So yeah, you got those names being changed. And so. Man, this leads into what we're going to talk about tonight, you guys. That's crazy that your story leads into what we're going to talk about tonight. Perfect. Did I tell you what we're going to talk about tonight? You did, I think. I think I did. <laughs> so, we're we'll talking about idols tonight. Yes. And yes. like overcoming idols. It's so, you know, it's the norm in America, especially in Western culture, to have an idol. I know most people think about when you say idol, they think of wood, clay, you know. A statue yeah. that was in Israel or somewhere east. But an idol is way more than that. Right. An idol is big. An idol gets deep. A good thing could be an idol. Like food, sports. I mean. Absolutely. So, so many different things could be an idol. So, what really is an idol? Because you hear different definitions of people saying what is an idol. I hear this a lot. Um, most people say, just because I put all my time in this that doesn't mean it's an idol. Mm. So what do you have to say about that? Like, what is an idol? Yeah. What's the biblical definition of biblical, an idol? A, a biblical definition. definition of an idol. Uh, I mean, and your definition of an idol. <laughs> I got to get my reference books. But no, um, <laughs> I think that um, an idol 
really is a um, false image um, of a God. Uh, and so rather someone or something um, that you choose to worship in replace of the creator. Mm-hmm. So something that you look to to um, fulfill the needs or voids that you may have in life um, and uh, ideally God is supposed to do that. Right. And so the idol is that um, self-created. So in, in this, in, in scripture, uh, biblical definition, I guess you see idols are created by um, the hands of people. And so God is the creator. And so we don't create God. We haven't created God. We aren't creating God. And right. And you heard, I be seeing, I didn't mean to cut you off, but a lot of people be saying, that's why we God. We are all gods because we can create. And so, like, that's, it just throws me off. I mean, we're created in the image of God, God, who is a creator. And so, when I create something, I am representing the creator. Right. um, And I give credit to the creator. And so, but with idols, it's something that we created. So, you see um, the idol, um, the calf, the golden calf that was Mm -hmm. created. They, They took their gold and made and formed this image and started worshiping this calf um and so these images um are represent something that someone made um and created and then in replace like please like you're calling it to please you to right to serve you or mm-hmm. you're you're serving it technically right you can't do <laughs> nothing for you yeah so basically yeah and you mentioned is. a bunch of different examples of of modern day um, I think how we can look at that. There's there's plenty to go through, but I think, um, yeah, that's that's what how I would define it. In that sense, like, yeah, I I can agree with it. I wasn't planning on disagreeing with you. <laughs> you think I wasn't planning on disagreeing with okay. you. Okay, but yeah, you said created, and when you said that, it made me think because I was like, man, I was like, that was transition, like learning about the word of God, learning about idols in general. I was like, man, do I have any idols? I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I have any idols. And then it was like, don't create anything. Don't have any other God before me. And I was like, wow, I do have another God, really. Mm-hmm. But it's not that God. It's the God, the fuzzy God. Mm-hmm. The God I can just go do whatever I want to, then come yeah. back home and say, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I had that God. I had the soft God, mm-hmm. which actually was breaking the first and the second commandment at the same yeah. time. So I didn't even know that. So yeah. we can make God an idol, which is a small G. We can think we're serving God, but we really can be serving an idol. Yeah. Like, how can we cope with that? How can we not fall into those type of waters? Well, that, I mean, that's, uh, I think that idolatry um, begins with, a level of innocence. Mm. Uh, so like you mentioned, like food, um, sports, um, and I think marriage is one of those things uh, that you have this image that looks good. You know, even Adam and Eve, in the beginning, the they saw the fruit yeah. that was pleasing to the eye. So there was there was this, the fruit God made it, right. you know, and so it's, it's something that is good. And so there's a there's a level of innocence when we when we approach it. Now, that's with anything um, we're on on Earth that we have. I think that that evolves to a point of the lust. Mm. So um, you can look at it like I mean, Instagram is a is a is that kind of idea of opening up the window of something different that you don't have. So they saw this fruit that was pleasing to the eye. Um, so lust of the flesh pleasing to the eye. And so they desired this something that they couldn't have in a sense. And that's really what that, the idol becomes. I think it, we begin to build the, the altar of this idol Mm. when it's something that we can't have. Right. So how to avoid that is the question. How to avoid that? (laughs) I think realizing, can we avoid that? I think realizing where it's coming from, Mm. um, is probably the start of that. And, you know, I think about, you know, I, I had the idol as I talked about my childhood, I used religion as an idol. Um, I think church can be an idol um, because it's not looking actually for God as churchianity or religiosity. And so what I did as a kid, I looked at 
making sure that I achieved all the good things and did all the right stuff as my idol. But then when things, and this is the danger of idolatry is because when things don't fulfill you, then you don't have peace, you know? Mm -hmm. So if, if whatever you are looking for to fulfill your idolatry doesn't do what it's supposed to, doesn't do what you think or want it to do, which it never really does. Right. <laughs> it leaves Impossible. you thirsty. It leaves you hungry. It leaves you wanting more. And and so like, even as I um, was looking for my achievements and my self righteousness to, to, to represent me um, to really uh, feed my idolatry yeah. hunger. And it wasn't doing it because no one else could see me. So I couldn't get, I couldn't get any praise. I couldn't get any affirmation because I'm at home by myself. So now my idol of me is is dwindling to nothing. And so now who do I worship? You know, who do I worship? I was worshiping all of my accolades and now it didn't matter. And so I'm not trying to figure that out. So that that was a um, a turning point and really a push of confusion and frustration because I looked at this idol and I built this altar. But now it was it was starting to break. Right. Dang. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, I think that's, I think, so like you asked the question of like, how do we prevent it? I think, I believe that God is gracious. Um, and I think that. Right. Uh, I think you said it though. You like, you was, you were, you were isolated. Else. Like you were by yourself. Well. I, so you start to realize, do we, do we need a long time, spend a long time with God and with ourselves to see what our hearts yeah. are really saying? I mean. I think that God loves his creation so much that he actually breaks those idols for us. And so like we have the option to pursue him mm -hmm. or to try to rebuild the idols. Yeah. <laughs> True. But I think that like in my story, I mentioned that he started breaking my own idol and I had an opportunity at this point to pursue other things. And I think I did. I'm just looking for other stuff to fulfill me. One of those idols that I was looking for was the idol of marriage. Right. You know? That's a big one now. Nowadays, especially like I mean, with young people, middle age people, I would say. Look, I wanted to be married oh, young when I was 13. Too. Oh, 13. Yeah. I okay. made a New Year's resolution when I was. I wasn't thinking about uh, marriage at 13. I was I thinking think. about it. I was thinking about I it. I was not. I actually made a resolution. Maybe when I was 14 or 15. No, I was 16 when I made this resolution. It was. To find, and I never had a girlfriend growing up in high school or middle school or elementary school. I was at home school, so I didn't yeah. have no girlfriends at home. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but I had a resolution to find a um, girlfriend by the end of uh, it was two thousand three at the time. So find a girlfriend by the end two thousand three. Mm -hmm. Find a fiance by the end two thousand four, and be married by the end two thousand five. Wow, you had a game plan. It was a three year New Year's resolution. So day one, I was I wrote it down, and I was like, I shared it with everybody. This is how y'all set a New Year's resolution. This is how you do it. <laughs> that was that one year resolution don't matter. It was a three year plan, non uh, like I, non negotiable. I was these are all the stuff I'm doing. So as I did that, as I did that, um, my father. It was one of the last conversations I had with him. Deep conversations. I remember he, we were at IHOP um, grabbing some pancakes. Good for pancakes. Yeah. And so as we were sitting down, I was telling him I was excited about my resolution because I mean, like honestly, my parents were high school sweethearts. Yeah. They got married right out of high school, had beautiful marriage. I remember celebrating their anniversary often. And it was like, so I saw that, which I mentioned, idolatry, I think, begins with that innocence. So mm. when I saw their beautiful marriage. Right. I coveted it after that. I wanted it for myself. Mm. And so I, I was in I was in love with the idea. And, I, and it was good that they were married and they were yeah. healthy. <laughs> and I was like, I want that for me. And that's not a problem. But I think what happened was... I looked at it as a something that was superior than God. And what happened with that resolution, that was like me pursuing this idol that I didn't even know about. And so my dad asked me, he says, a lot of times when people get married, he was a minister. So he would counsel people that was preparing for marriage. And he would say, if you're ready for marriage, are you engaged? Are you, do you want to get married to each other or do you want to marry marriage? Mm -hmm. And when he wow. asked me that, yeah. Marry like, marriage. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Put that in my new book. <laughs> Would I marry marriage? At the time, I didn't know anybody. So I was I had this plan to get married, but I didn't even have a person to marry. So I didn't want to <laughs> marry someone. I just wanted to marry. Yeah. Be married. And it was I wanted to marry marriage. Right. 
And when he shared that to me, it's it was the beginning of me realizing my idol of marriage. And mm-hmm. God showed it to me. I was 16 years old and he showed me this idol that I had that I was looking for marriage to fulfill my loneliness. I was looking for marriage to fulfill all of my hopes and dreams. I would only be complete if I was married. And that's the dangers of idols. Idols right. will do that. So like you take food, for example, like I love food. I love eating. I love you know? eating too. Like, like I like all it? foods. Like, Favorite food, pizza, cookies. I love them all, right? Now, it's nothing wrong with it. But what happens is um, I think that food can become an idol um, when you look for it to fulfill and you almost binge eating when you're when you feel depressed or when you feel lonely. You get a big jug of uh, a tub of uh, ice cream or something like that. And you feel like, um, and I remember like one day I was fasting and um, I got, and it was, a, it was a moment where I was trying to, I, I was fasting from just every food. And I, uh, I think it was like a, it was a juice fast for like 20 days, maybe, yeah, about three weeks. Mm. And I got pulled over by the cops uh, that day. And I felt, and I felt like after I got pulled over, the cop was just, you know, look at me, you know, I'm in Clinton. Oh, Clinton. Uh, oh, dangerous. And, home. you know, white dangerous. cop pulled me over, right. you know, and I'm minding my own business. I think I was speeding slightly. You know, five, like five miles, you know, five, okay. And so the, the cop was walking on the car like he was scared. <laughs> and so he was coming and approaching me. And this was like a couple of years ago. And I'm just and I'm I'm tense. And so after that moment, anytime I interact with a cop, I'm, I feel a lot of anxiety. I feel and I mean, this black man in America driving around black. That's just part of right. the process. Just driving black. <laughs> it is, part it is. of that. So, what like, you, I, you know, so after that, he's like, where are you going? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm on my way to Bible study. And I was actually picking up some chicken wings to bring to the bible study so after i picked up the chicken wing wings, stop wing stop okay lemon pepper <laughs> mango habanero is better i was fast mango habanero is better okay I but i wasn't supposed to eat any of it oh okay so i was fasting so but i i realized that food um as i was fasting from food um that moment that i got pulled over and i felt anxious and i felt frustrated I wanted to consume all the wings to fulfill. <laughs> like it was like, I need the wings to fill the void of this anxiety. You know, I need this. And I wasn't, I, I chose not to eat. I was fasting t- t- for, and I just had juice, but I, I was, it brought light to how I use food in the past and present. <laughs> right. I can't say that I'm, uh, I'm overcame it, but I think that's an example of how idols can come in and say, Hey, you know, you feeling you feeling depressed? Come hang out with me. Hey, you know, you need you you got hurt today? Come talk to me. And that's what the food did, you know? Right. <laughs> and that's what wow, the Wow, that is so true. And that's the same get thing. Get that a lot. And yeah. I, I don't even notice that. That was a good thing you just said. Cuz I get that feeling too like I have a down day, bad day, whatever. Stuff ain't going right. And you know what? Come home. Hey, this food calling you, man. This food gonna <laughs> make you feel better. Get a whole thing of pizza. Yeah. Get a whole thing. Like I'm gonna order some pizza right now. <laughs> like forget it. Forget yeah. it. Forget everybody. I'm gonna order two boxes of pizza. Just smash. Don't the even thing. finish it. Mm. And so yeah, that but, is true. But then after you get, you know, especially if you binge eat, you get sick. You know, stomach start hurting. You know, if you eat a bunch of junk food too start much, start throwing up. You know, that's we weigh too much. But it's like you have that guilt, and I think that's how idols work. They mm. you they give you this false uh sense false hope. of completion. Yeah, yeah. And then when when you go to them to feel completed, you know it's it's a never ending voice. So like you eat the food and it's not gonna fulfill you. You might mm-hmm. get full for a second, but it's not gonna fulfill you. So you eat the food and then you're still hungry, you're still thirsty. Um, and so it's like now you're just sick, your stomach hurts. And so it's like, okay, crap. Uh and I think I, idols, I mean, all idols do that same thing. <laughs> right. That is true. That's like, it It does. You know, it really does. Because when I sit back and now I sit back and look at it and how I'm looking at idols now, they just, they really use me and abuse me. And try, then I run back to God, I kind of hurt. And then I'm still not fulfilled. It's just the yes. idol is using me. Of like wood, stone, whatever. Yeah. An idol can use you. Yes, that's exactly like, what it is. And the is. difference between an idol, you, God doesn't use us, don't use us and we feel unfulfilled. Like, that's not going to happen. Right. It's impossible. Right, right. Like, he, when he uses us, you're going to be fulfilled. And he actually 
the thing about God is that he gives generously. Um, and I, often he doesn't expect anything in return sometimes. Sure. And I think this is the false sense of God that people may have. It's like, there's all these rules and regulations and God wants me to do all these things so he can be pleased. Like, right. no, that's not mm-hmm. how it works. That's how God, idol works. Clean, exactly, wash me. Exactly. The idol, and this right. is how people idolize religion, is because they think that they have to do all these things, and once they do all these things, then that, then the the God that they think they're worshiping is pleased. And like that's not how we serve God, and that's not right. why we serve God. God created us, and He said it's very good even before we did anything. You know, before the foundations of the world, you know, He knew you and made you and loved you and died for you, like all that, like yeah. is before all of that. So like what we do in response is different than what we do for like, we don't do good deeds to be, to make God less angry at us. Right. Um, the only reason why, um, and this is the gospel is like the reason why we're able to stand in the presence of God as sinners is because Jesus stands in our place. Right. His death, um, is what quenches the anger of God. If you want to think about that, the wrath of God, yeah. the death of Jesus, the only one that was actually able to do it completely to live un- without sin and stand, um, and suffer. He's the one that allows us, um, to be able to stand in the midst of the presence of God. So it's not that we have to do a bunch of good deeds to please God. Right. But, in response of something that is amazing, the generosity of God, I want to share that. And that's the idea of that, the joy that I had. Like, I'm like, Oh, this is what God allows me to be joyful. He allows me to have peace. I want to, I just want to share that with other people, you know, just like if I watch a good movie, I'm like, Hey, you got to see this because I'm so excited about it. You know, I don't, you know, pop popcorn so that the movie can be pleased that I watched it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so the movie don't make no sense. Right. And so, but I think um, you mentioned how like we sin, and then um, there's this uh, there's these things that the idols are trying to do. Um, we can't please; they won't fulfill us. Um, there's this um, in scripture we see this cycle of uh, useless idols in a sense. So it goes where we sin, mm-hmm. then we suffer. Yeah. Then we cry out. Right. Then God delivers. That's true. And then we sin again. Wow. It's a cycle. That is a cycle. And I've been through is, that cycle. Throughout, times. you probably, it's a cycle <laughs> of uses idols. Yeah. So you see it throughout scripture. You see it um, with Israel in, mm-hmm. in Exodus. You know, they they cry out to, to the Lord. Lord, help us, help us, help us. They're, they're suffering, right? We suffer. They're suffering because they're in, they're in slavery. So as they're suffering in slavery, they cry out. God does something. What does God do? God delivers with Moses. Let my people go. Right. right? So he goes to Pharaoh, let them go. go. And they're out in the desert, in the wilderness. What do they do while they're in the wilderness? They sin. They sin. They sin with, um, there was like a bunch of stuff they did. And then there was one point where they, uh, I loved it when they had the, um, the snakes came. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. This came out. <laughs> and yes. so, like, they sinned, and then God sent snakes after them. Folks started dying. So they suffered, right? So they right. sinned. Uh, they were co- complaining about all the food they didn't have and how they had it better off in Egypt because they, they sinned. Then they then, then, then God sent snakes. Right. They started suffering. So after they started suffering with the snakes, they cried out, Lord, help us. Moses, tell your God to help us. Right. <laughs> you know? And what does God do? He help delivers them, them yeah. every single time. God does that every single time. That's the cycle throughout the entirety of scripture. You said you saw yourself. I know I've done it myself, but this, the idols are the ones we pursue and God, his graciousness destroys those idols. We end up finding other idols right. or recreating the idol. Right. <laughs> but I think the cycle is that God breaks those down and he delivers in the midst of our crying out. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So we don't need to try to break down the idols ourselves. Well, I think that, um, like, if you realize that you have an idol, right? I think that's a sign to, like, you can let it go. You have power over it. You created it. Right. True. So it's like you don't have to succumb to it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't know. You know, we're unaware 
of the idols that we have. And that's the danger and scary part. It's like, you know, I'm not trying, like I didn't wake up in the morning trying to worship right. whatever the thing that I created that I thought was good. Trying to worship my God. Yeah. I ain't, yeah. I ain't trying to do that. But I think sometimes when you're exposed to it, you know, that's good. But sometimes, you know, you're exposed to it and you're ignorant. And then what God does is allow suffering to happen because it's his right. grace. His grace is actually through suffering. So it's like, oh, well, the idol's not pleasing you anymore. That's actually God's grace. <laughs> right. So like, you know, you get a stomach flu. Oh, man, you know, that's okay. That's I'm suffering because I got my stomach hurting because I ate all this stuff. That's Lord help me. I'm never going to eat again. <laughs> right. I'm never going to eat that again. I'd have had that with them um, Dunkin' Donuts before. Yeah. Man, my goodness. But what's interesting is that as we like as we let go of those uh, um, things uh, we may face, because even in that cycle of suffering, um, there's this desire to pursue God. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the, and the short answer to what you said is how do we get rid of idols is by pursuing God and the intimacy. I mean, that's really how it is. Right. Pursuing intimacy with God. But there's a process that I know for me that I've walked through um, and I think we all tend to walk through is that we go from, uh, and this is actually a book that I'm working on. Uh, so hopefully stay tuned for the yes, book. Stay tuned. I'm working on a title, but it's about my pursuit and my freedom of the idol of marriage. So I mentioned uh, this innocence. So we start off with this level of innocence, you know, and then the idol turns into this, uh, it start building the altar on the idol and it becomes to, um, and I call it the Instagram phase where I'm looking through the window of what I, what I, what I think it could do for me. And then as I see that it's not all the way pleasing, mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, it can hurt me because I see what it could do. Then I isolate myself. Right. I'm like, go away completely. Just like with food. It's like, well, I, I binged eat one day and I'm never eating again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, what happens with isolation is like, you're not, you're not replacing it with anything. You're just isolating the thing. So when I tell you not to think about uh, a pink elephant, what you start thinking about. The pink elephant. Exactly. I just thought of That's how isolation works. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin. As you tell yourself to not sin over and over again or not pursue this idol or not, 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 all you're going to think about is that thing that you're trying to not do. So for marriage, I did, I did, um, like I told you what my dad told me. Mm -hmm. And so I started, I looked at books. I kissed Dayton goodbye. I gave Dayton a chance. And I said, you know what? I'm never going to get married. Well, I, I was like, I'm never going to kiss until I'm married. I didn't want to have a relationship with anybody until I'm ready for marriage. And I kind of like cut everything out. Like I'm never going to do it. And I think I was lying to myself, but I had that complete isolation moment. And what happens with that, it leads to the next phase of indulgence, which is what happens. So I told you, you say, I'm not going to eat no more food ever again. Right. Well, after you do that, binge. <laughs> and that's how it was the 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 desire that I had that marriage was and this is what me trying to be a good Christian person that marriage will please me if I'm able to get married then I can have sex without sinning that was my thought yeah. so if I can't get married then what if I just indulge in whatever self-gratification and marriage is not supposed to is not designed to please self at all right. <laughs> it's like marriage is actually um, an example that we see throughout scripture is uh, a sacrifice is giving completely, but the idol of marriage is it's going to please me. And so that's what I was thinking. And so since I didn't know how to, how to deal with all those emotions, there was a moment of indulgence, not a moment, a cycle. And I mentioned the sin, we cry out, we suffer, God delivers. And I think right. there's a cycle, even in this of indulgence, isolation, and lust where i go from i'm looking at it whatever the idol is i'm a tr- i'm i'm gonna like it looks good it's pleasing to the eye but then i don't want to touch it like what eve said the lord said don't even touch it don't even look at it you know the fruit and so it's like there's this isolation of not even but then there's those whispers well like is it gonna really kill you right like is it is it gonna like really kill you you know, for real. And that's the point of indulgence. Like, let me taste it. This is see how it is. And then there's guilt. And then there's the isolation. Then there's the 
Instagram and or the, the lesson after it's a cycle. And how do we get out of that cycle is, is really um, what I'm uh, think that is part of pursuing intimacy. Um, so out of that cycle, I believe is a pursuit towards independence. So it's like, I'm not looking at this idol to fulfill whatever I want. Instead, I look for me. Now this is dangerous. There's, there's positives and negatives, right? But the danger part is that I look for me to fulfill it. So whatever the idol was doing, um, I look for me, for me, you know, so instead of idolizing marriage or as I was dealing with my idol of marriage, I was like, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a work hard, you know, I'm gonna do my thing, you know, I'm not, um, and that's why I, I threw all of my work, all of my life into my work. And so I started, I mentioned I was working in, in a varsity. And so, um, in 2010, um, I stopped, I was in seminary for up until then in 2010, I stopped seminary and I just put all day, every day into my work. Um, like basically 24 hours a day, every day. (laughs) And what does that do to someone that doesn't take a break, doesn't rest? I remember, uh, burnout. It literally happened where I was burnt out. And I remember the president of InterVarsity said at a conference, he said, if you think God needs you seven days of the week, get over yourself. God can do in six, what you think you need seven to do. Take a Sabbath, (laughs) take a day of rest. And it was me trying to, trying to put all of the, like, I had this idol of, of fulfillment, um, needing to be pleased. And I put it in my work, even Mm. in ministry. And I found that I was lonely. I found that I wasn't pleased. And a lot of what you hear in my spoken word album is the, the journey of my time during that, uh, period that I'm trying to find independence. And so I call it, the album is called 313 AM. And it's that period of darkness. Why is it called 3.13 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting there? Yeah, uh, okay, you. I just yeah. want to know. So the period of darkness. So 3.13 a.m. is early in the morning before the sun comes up and after midnight. Um, and so it's that period of darkness. And I think part of that, even in my journey, was this desire to find independence and find freedom and look for myself, but it wasn't fulfilling. And so as I've tried to pursue myself, even as in that poem that you heard earlier, the demons I find the demons chasing after me <laughs> mm-hmm. in a sense, the demons of loneliness, the demons of my, of, of my own lustful thoughts. Like all those things are surrounding me. And so the, another reason why it's called three thirteen AM, it represents the time, the, um, the number three thirteen represents the day my dad passed March 13th, mm-hmm. 2003, three 13. And so um, he actually, uh, I saw how, and I, I saw how he found joy in the midst of suffering so that even when instead of looking for um, yourself to fulfill during a time of, of hopelessness, during a time of of anxiety and and um, and danger or fear, instead of looking for yourself to fulfill it, looking towards God. And so there's a level of independence for that that I think an idol maybe even gives you this pseudo independence of saying, you don't need me um, but then you kind of lie to it and say, well, I don't need you. I don't need you. Like the people that's like, I don't need no man. And then like the idea is like, right. maybe you're saying it because you really are hurt, not because yes. you actually are independent. And I think that's that pseudo independence that I think I started um, doing. Like, I don't ever, I don't ever need to get married. And I had that thought. Um, and I, there's beauty in not ever getting married. There's beauty in singleness. And I, I learned to appreciate that over the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in the moment of trying to be independent and pour myself into work, I was just trying to be fulfilled. There's a next level right before intimacy is interdependence, which sounds good. It, it sounds you know? fancy. And so that means I'm not dependent on myself anymore, mm-hmm. um, but I'm dependent on other people. Interdependence. That's like, and I, I remember... At this point, I started living in a community um, in the discipleship house and I was had roommates and I was looking for others uh, to fulfill what I was missing from not being married and not understanding who I was myself. That was and everybody, every single person is not enough. Um, you can have 100,000 people and it won't be enough to fulfill whatever emptiness that you experience inside. And that's something I realized. I was like, wait a minute, this void that I have, um, that I'm looking for idols, I'm looking t- to whatever vices that I that I turn to to fulfill, there's something missing. 
Um, and that's where intimacy comes. Um, when I learned how to look to God, and this is how I did it, and you said it at the beginning, um, it was I started spending some quiet time and retreats of silences and really took a Sabbath day of rest away from work, away from technology, away from all of the things that I look to that maybe aren't bad in of itself, but I could put into and create an idol for. Mm-hmm. And as I did that, I fell in love with God in a way that I never knew I could. I, I mean, I was pursuing him and I was serving him and I was sharing about him, but I still didn't really know that I was missing this level of intimacy. I knew the void was there. Um, but then when I was able to pursue um, that quiet time and take a whole, like cut my phone off 24 hours, go to a cabin and just pray, journal, write, um, read. And that was where I just, and just rested and listen and enjoy nature. And that was a place and time that I, that I began to find intimacy with the creator. And that started filling the void. Now it's a cycle. Cause I mean, like I'm, I'm like constantly pursuing intimacy. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I'm like, I am now intimacy with the creator. Like, I don't think it's like all the way, I'm not all the way there yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even as I've been pursuing God for over 20 years, I still feel like I'm, I got to go deeper in my intimacy with him. Um, and that's, and that's really, I think like, you know, I told you that God is gracious in the sense that he destroys our idols. We see that throughout scripture. Right. It doesn't feel good though. Don't. When idols get bad. destroyed, it hurts. So even like thinking about my idol of marriage um, and how that started breaking is like, wait a minute, who am I if I'm not married at, why well, I said 16, you know? <laughs> so, right. And we see that <laughs> now, like as soon as you graduate. You better have that great job. Yep. You better be married. Yep. You better be at your parents' house. Yeah. You better be paying off some debt or yeah. almost have your debt paid off by you 25 or 28. Or you ain't living right. Or you who not right. You? Like, yeah, who, who are, are you? you? Like, and that's an idol. I think that's a huge idol for America. It's the American right dream. That, it literally I, is. Yeah. And that, that dream is an idol. You know, I think that um, there's a lot of different things that we use as idols um, that gives us this picture um, mm-hmm. to, to, to please us. So that American dream um, is one. Um, I think that, um, I think I alluded to it earlier, but I think that um, religiosity, churchianity, a cultural Christianity um, is another. Um, and I honestly believe that God is starting to break those right now. Um, the world that we live in, as we think about, you know, COVID-19 and the adjustments that we make in, right. like, I'm really seeing that God is starting to destroy some of the idols that we created for church. Mm. Literally no one is in the church for walls. Right. Nobody. And I like his ministry going to stop because of that. But ministry is growing. That's true. It's like, it's like the walls. And I heard someone say today, I was on a call and I said, we're not bound to the walls. They said, it's just like that. And I'm like, you know what we're living in literally, I think this is a revival for the church to actually wake up. And be the church and not be stuck in behind the four walls because we're now like people aren't um, complaining about how many people are sitting at their pews. Literally, right. there's a law that says you can't have more than 10 people. So the people aren't complaining that there's less than 10 people in their four walls. In fact, they're trying to figure out how to reach people outside of the walls now. Right. You know, and I think that's the idol that I'm seeing that God is starting to break the walls that we created, you know, the buildings and the altar that we created in a good thing, because it's like, okay, we created the building to to worship him. It starts off with innocence. Right. But in the same way, we started looking for other things. And maybe this church is better than this. That's that lust. Wow. I, my yes. walls have to be better or I have to have bigger. And then we, we you know, there's a level of, uh, of trying to be independent. I'm going to do my own thing. But I think that what God is doing is breaking all that idol of religiosity right now so that we can actually learn how to pursue intimacy with him and open up the door for people to find intimacy with him. That's not based on the idol that we created um, called the church building. Wow. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. We need to, I, I need to hear that. I needed to hear that. That's true. Cause yeah, the ministry been stuck behind those four walls for a long yeah. time. Worried about numbers. 
Yes. Worry about who's coming, who's yep. not worried. They're not worried about who not coming. Like, let's go outside the church. And like, Jesus didn't have a building. Yep. He literally sat on the side of the road, the river, <laughs> and gave a sermon on a mountain. So, like, yeah. we really can reach out now during this COVID-19 thing. And the like thing said, is, like, our churches um, have been asking, how do we reach the next generation? You know? Like they've been asking, like I do, as I do ministry with college students, I have, and I connect with churches often. Mm-hmm. They're like, how do you reach college students? How do you release the, the Gen Z or the millennials? And they always get the generations mixed up. And so <laughs> it's like, how do you reach them? And I think right now that's the, the only, the technology is actually opening up the doors for people to be reached. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's ain't no question about it. Technology is there. You got all these live churches on your iPad, on your Every tablet, everywhere. One. Every single one. It's out there and you can watch it. Yeah. You have to pay for it now. Like, usually you have to pay somebody, pay a network and get on TV. But, like, now don't nobody use cable TV no, like that no more. All. Who not use cable TV? Mm-hmm. Just please let us know and you need to change that. <laughs> stop it right now. Like, stop it. <laughs> like, everybody use their laptop streaming service. You got YouTube, Facebook Live, Instagram. Right. Instagram TV, IGTV, you got so many different platforms that churches are using now and like millions and millions of views of live church services. I don't got the numbers right now for like how many people were watching like just this past um, last Wednesday and this Sunday and how many people are watching this Wednesday. I know the numbers are out the roof. I mean, it's interesting just even as I go through my Facebook and I see like – I visited a lot of different churches, but I'm seeing all of them streaming, you know? And so like my mom posted, she's like, I was able to visit three churches today, you know? So she reposted the sermons from different churches that she visited virtually. Um, I, I think that this is creating a new normal for us to use technology for good. Um, right. Cause it's like, we can represent the kingdom of God virtually and it's not a bad thing. I think people have often said, and I've heard people say, you know, they need to get off their, their devices because the devices could be idols, right? Right. But if they're used to glorify God and they're used to um, advance um, education and to um, create networks and things like that, then it's not uh, an idol, <laughs> you know? And so it's like the the everything could become an idol. Right. Just like the building there is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's like the building's not going to fulfill you. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to be free from that and we'll find the intimacy. I mean, there's dangers, of course, of it's cycling back because we're prone to wonder. Right. <laughs> so it's like we Since can, the beginning, you know, we're like, prone to wonder. But God is gracious. And at a point where we're gone too far, I believe that God will break it down just like he like what was happening right now. He's like, wait a minute. Y'all went too far. Come back to me. And uh, that's where we cry out. We suffer, you know, right. that cycle. Um, and then he delivers. Right, because it seems like God's, God may not be pleased like where the church is going now. So with all with this breaking out and can't nobody come into the building, you got to find new ways, man. You got to find new ways to reach the lost. I mean, yeah. street preaching. I mean, <laughs> all type of stuff. I mean, so so many different methods we can use yeah. to reach those who are lost. And not just stay inside the building, just wait for Sunday. Now, people can't just really just wait for Sunday. Not at all. This got to be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every Friday, day. Saturday thing. Every single day, you got to be like thinking about ministry because, you know, we go throughout the week. You're like, okay, Sunday coming. I'm going to go to church. But now church not coming. Right. You, you can't gotta, go to church. Can't go to church. <laughs> so right now you, you got to be to church every single day. Yeah. And it can be dangerous because you can't like forget like, okay, I'm not going to church. You just start doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff. That can yeah. happen too. Yeah. But I'm just looking on the bright side, hoping that we would just think about we are the church every single day. Yes. Yes. But I mean, absolutely. And as what I'm seeing is a desire, um, a desire for community a desire for truth, a desire for hope. You know, it's like you can turn on the news and you can hear the negativity. You can hear all the stuff that's happening and it can mm-hmm. get hopeless. And I know right. I get hopeless, but the thing that gives me hope is um, the joy I find in Jesus. And it's like that actually, like I can say it like a Sunday school answer, but it's like, actually that gives me hope. You know, I was reading through Psalms and I'm just like, David knew another psalmist that wrote, um, they knew, like, they experienced, like, 
um, and David specifically experienced being pursued and um, being pursued to the point of death. Right. Right. And so like um, he wrote in the midst of those moments of just like, hey, I'm about to die. Lord, do something. Right. <laughs> it's like, like I'm in the middle in the pursuit and the, my enemies are around me. Um, Lord, what you going to do? I think that is like not that because and as we as we see um, the thirst we're looking for, I think that God created us to need more than what we have. And it's him. And so we're created to be fulfilled only with him. Yeah. So nothing else could fulfill us. Yeah. So it's like we're going to constantly be pursuing other stuff unless we pursue God. Right. That's just like having an iPhone charger and trying to use Android. It's not right. going to happen. Why would you use Android anyway? You, I don't know. <laughs> some people use Android. That Samsung Galaxy 9 ain't that bad. Okay. It's All a right. good camera on that thing. That's funny. But yeah, that's true. Like them, those idols are being cut down. I feel like after this phase come, passes through, that church idol might be cut down. But it's so, it's like, Overcoming an idol. Like, how do we really just take dominion over these idols? Just yeah. crush them. Like, I mean, I think knowing that you have power over it. Yeah. Um, knowing that, like, these idols are man-made or created, human-created. Mm-hmm. And so it's like they have no control and they can't please. And so there, there is a desire. Like, the thing is, uh, and I, I can share with you another poem I wrote um, I'm about um, what we look for and kind of how we saw the Israelites in right. um, in the Old Testament when uh, right before they had their first king, mm-hmm. they were, uh, God had uh, judges that was ruling over them. And one, the last judge in a sense was Samuel. And so Samuel, um, who was a judge, prophet, priest, person, um, and the Israelites were like, hey, look, uh, Samuel, you getting old, we need a king. Right. They haven't had a king before. So, like, we need a king like all the other nations. And Samuel's like, wait a minute. Like, what you need a king for? It's like, well, stuff is about to happen. You know, they they like, we need somebody to protect us, to go before us. We need a king, somebody strong, somebody look good, somebody that can fight. And so Samuel's like, wait a minute. Like, y'all looking for a king? And, like, he got offended. Right. You know, and so God was like, wait a minute. They ain't rejecting you. They're rejecting me. I'm the one that was their king. You know, and he showed him, was like, look, all the stuff that you've seen that happened, I did all that stuff, but y'all want somebody else to do it? So what did God do? He said, go ahead, have y'all a little king. Right. And then what happened? Well, Saul, it, he wasn't very good. He wasn't a pleasant, <laughs> he was not a pleasant king at all. And so, not a good uh, one. you know, I think that we look for idols like that. You know, we look to idols to be those things that we desire to be um, fulfilled. And I wrote this, um, I think it was like a response to like, Israel wanting to uh, have a king. Um, it was like a sermon response. So, ready to hear it. Yeah, I'm ready to hear it. Do you need some back? You need some music? No, you just want to uh, go like I just, can do it. Yeah, just without it. Yeah, I don't be, know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you. <laughs> you got music. I mean, I got some. All right, I'll instrumentals. Just, you want to try out? I don't know if you're gonna like them. I don't know. If yeah, I don't know. I ain't practice. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll just do it uh, a cappello. All right. Who is your king who takes your everything, corruption he brings, whom you look to be so you can be complete? Who is your king who you gave authority to rule, to lead? Social media tells you how to think. From the hashtag to the meme, who is your king? The government who is after dishonest gain, accepting bribes, perverting justice? Is this who you are trusting, seeking conformity so we can be like everybody else. Fear feeds our insecurities. Who is your king who you have looked to to lead as you reject the one who is supreme? Who is your king? Your own pseudo identity, who you try to conform to be, who literally rules over you physically. Who is your king? See, we have rebelled against the king of kings, began with the tree. Now we seek pseudo gods and idols to make us complete Facebook and IG cultural Christianity, marriage, idolatry, building churchianity. These things are the earthly kings who we seek to lead looking majestically, but is fueled with self-seeking. Who is your king? Let us look to the one who was slain, the lamb who endured pain. This is my king. 
who gives everything humility as he bleeds on the cross for unity. The father who loves us unconditionally like the prodigal son repenting back to the father who chases after me. This king fights my battles, took on death, stands on the front line, taking the consequence of my sin. Who is your king? Who is the one who unconditionally loves us? My king is Jesus. That's it. Oh. <laughs> my king. My king. My king is Jesus. <laughs> my mic was freaking muted, y'all. Okay. Like muted. But okay. yes, my king is Jesus. I love that poem. Appreciate need it. to record that on a, one of these beats I got. I don't make beats, by the way, if you somebody was going to ask. I don't. So oh, don't man. ask me. <laughs> so don't <laughs> ask me. So this is another thing that um, people say to me. They they like, okay, so you say I got this idol, man. You say I got this idol. Just because I spend all this time watching sports. But I spend 10 minutes with the Lord. But sports not my idol. <laughs> Does time equals idol? How much time you spend, does that equal it being an idol or that's just like a fallacy or something? That's a good question. Um, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, we have 24 hours in a day and how we spend it is not as it gets spent. I mean, they, they the saying is that, you know, you can tell, um, you know, what basically how much time you spend kind of equals to, you know, what you um, is think most is important. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that it can depend. So like, you know, a movie might last two hours. It might take up, you know, a few of your thoughts, but you might, sp- I mean, you can spend f- five, 10 minutes with God and, and it can transform your whole mindset. Like a, right. a moment with God. A moment. Second be, in his presence can change everything. Now, not to justify the fact that right. I like spending more time with God. <laughs> but like sometimes I get lost in the things I love, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I love spending time with God and I can spend a whole day, cut my phone off and do that. Um, and spend a whole day, 24 hours plus, you know, just hanging out. Um, but like that doesn't, so yeah, I don't, I mean, honestly, um, you know, you know your own heart. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So it's like sometimes you try to justify it. You know, it's like, well, you know, just because I spend this much time don't mean I'm not. It's like if you have to defend yourself, then it's already too far. <laughs> it's already, yeah, true. So I'm like, yeah, I've set a couple of goals to me. I think that the biggest thing for me is consistency. Um, and so like I know what is important to me based on how consistent I am with it. So doing something a little bit every day makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want to read they, 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 the, the um, challenge of like, how do you, how you eat an elephant? You ever heard that phrase? No. It's like, how would you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You yeah. know, it's One a giant bite. thing. You got to take it at a time. And then same thing with, um, they asked John Maxwell, like, how do you write so many books? He always writes books. John Maxwell got so many books, right? How do you write books? He says, one word at a time. It's that profound. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's it. that's it. And I think, I think that spending time, quality time is important. Um, it doesn't take quantity. You can spend a bunch of time doing nothing and not be quality. Right. So you know? yeah, you can spend a whole bunch of time with God and it'd be nothing. You can read the whole Bible and not know a word or even think about what it says. Right. But you can read like one chapter, a chapter and a half and just. And meditate on it. Meditate and Profoundly. Um, transformed right so I think the quality makes a bigger difference than the quantity mm-hmm. you know because it's like time goes by and you know it could and God could freeze the time in a sense and you it feel like a couple of hours but it's only been five minutes you know right <laughs> I've had that happen before where I'm just like wait a minute I feel like I've been you know worshiping for a whole hour and it's only been like five minutes right like, man you know and so sometimes that's God allowing you to be more productive He's like hey like you got some more stuff you need to do <laughs> yeah true but like what i've decided to do like and i think when i pursue intimacy sometimes we can and this just goes with like working out and doing a bunch of stuff if you try to do something better to improve yourself like hey they want to make sure they're not idolizing and they want to spend time with god okay yeah. so i'm gonna read the whole bible right. right you start it off and you read like 10 15 chapters in one day 
The next day you're like, I'm going to read 30 chapters. So I'm going to read 30 chapters. And by the third day, you'd be like, I ain't got time to read 30 chapters. Right. So you don't read nothing. Mm. Then the next day, you don't read nothing. Yeah. And then it, keep, and it goes on to you. It's like, man, I ain't read nothing. Or like they, the, you can read, I'm going to read three chapters every day. You might get excited and want to read more. Or you say, you know, I'm going to stop with these three. and Just read right. it. Yeah, but don't feel guilty if you stop. Like, that can happen. Like, some people, like, I had that feeling before. Like, reading chapters, then I say, okay, I'm going to read four. Then I only read two. Then end up feeling guilty. <laughs> that's bad. Like, that's bad. It's part of the part of the idea is that you want to be consistent and you want to and you want to pace yourself well when it comes right. to pursuing God. You know, I think that um, with anything that, excuse me, with anything that we do, I think pursuing God, um, he, wants, he wants our heart and he wants... Um, you know, how we spend uh, quality. And so just spending a little bit every day makes a big difference doing anything. Uh, so even with God. So spend all your time thinking about it. Because, I mean, the word says um, meditate on the word day and night and you'll be prosperous and successful. Like that's all the time. So right. you want to flood your mind with it. But do I have to like constantly just be thinking and quoting scripture every single second of the day? No. Yeah. Um, I think that. I mean, I I wish I could. But up in your subconscious <laughs> mind, you can be thinking about yeah the goodness of God. Yeah, and I think that that's part of it. Um, so be be careful not to justify your wrongdoing, but also don't beat yourself up about the little that you do. Right, because <laughs> yeah. it makes a big difference. It does. That's true. I agree with you on that. And so these idols have to be broken. Yeah, and they can be broken by the grace of God. He's good. He's faithful. He's just. And he hates idols. So anything he hates, I feel like God breaks it down. He does away with it. He doesn't even want us to yes. be with these idols. And I think you said it because it causes it causes sin. Mm-hmm. Like idols and sin, it's just it's tangible. They come they come together. Right. You got to get both of them. You can't just have idol and no sin. You're going to have yeah. both of them because it's always like some type of spirit behind those idols. Even if we don't have a physical idol that we see, but it's just our, it's just the inner being of us. Wanting to do something or worship something besides God, even Absolutely. though we're not even, we don't even know that we worshiping. Like we like that's just the scary part. that's a, that's real scary. <laughs> like you think you worshiping God, but you're really not, hmm. and that is scary. Yeah. Well, I do recommend. There's a book that I'm reading. Um, I'm recommend to read uh, when it comes to idols. I'm almost finished with it. And that was as I was writing my book, I, I always hate reading books that say I'm the only one that thinks like this. Right. And so I was looking, I actually, as I was working on my story about my own idol of marriage, I was like, there's gotta be somebody else that wrote about this. So there's this book called breaking the marriage idol, reconstructing our cultural and spiritual norms by cutter Calloway. Um, it's an IVP book. Um, and it's really walks through the uh, process of the way that Christians have idolized marriage. Mm. Uh, so it's really, um, it's really beautiful. I mean, the guy's married, um, but it, he has a good perspective that says that marriage is not just the penultimate, you know, that it's like, we, we think about the images that we create, um, that we see in, um, in the media, you know, right. go from love at first sight, you know, um, he didn't say about that, but like love, love is blind, uh, marriage at first sight, you know, that, those kind of shows that kind of bachelor, you know, mm-hmm. they say that once I, I'm only complete once I be, once I get married, um, all the Disney princesses, you know, Disney princess movies, the little mermaid is not a human until she gets married, you know, literally. <laughs> and so that's, 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 hey. the, that's the idea that we see. And he yeah. talks about that a little bit, but like, that's the the culture that we create. And so with, and I think that it does, it does parallel with mul- multiple ways that we create idols. But I recommend that book as you're looking for something to read uh, during this isolation time. <laughs> right. Cause you, cause we need to be breaking these idols. So any last words? Cause I know you're busy. You got stuff to do. I don't want to keep you available. Yeah, but I do want to read some. So, uh, <laughs> any last words like how we can just demolish these idols, take them out? <laughs> yeah, do away with them. Yeah, I mean, I think um, just final thoughts. Uh, having pursuing intimacy um, comes to like really learning how to. Uh, find that joy um, and knowing how to be fulfilled from the creator and not the created things. Mm. So I think that um, 
you know, I think I repeat myself a few times, but like I try to fulfill if, if you um, isolate yourself or just avoid things, um, you'll fall victim to the same crap over and over again. You know, if you just kind of push all the bad stuff away, Mm -hmm. then it'll still leave you empty because the bad stuff was trying to fulfill something. It was filling halfway. But then the the pursuit of something bigger and better is more important. So, like, you know, a hamburger from McDonald's ain't going to fulfill you. Right. But stamp super burger. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's going to take a little, take a little bit longer, you know, right. But it's a little bit heavier, a little bit more fulfilling though. And then you can get a turkey burger too. You could, but like in the same way, the, if you just say, I'm not going to eat burgers again, or I'm not going to do whatever, but not replace it with something that's better for you. I'm not, not saying that hamburgers are better for you, but right. like replacing something that's actually more fulfilling. God is the one that's more fulfilling. Um, it's pursuing him through his word, um, through community, uh, through worship. That's really how we uh, get rid of and replace those idols. Um, so, Yeah. Well, thank you, Smiley, first of all, for coming on the show, man. Coming on the Daily Thinker podcast. Hey, my pleasure. Just dropping his wisdom about idols because they need to be crushed. It's a huge thing up in America and our societies. Idols, idols, idols. Everywhere we see, we even have shows called American Idol. So... <laughs> These idols needs to be crushed. So I thank you, Smiley, for just joining us on this show. And I thank you, Daily Thinkers, for tuning in to this idol episode. And so if you like what you heard, just make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating in the podcast so we can move up in the charts, man. But until next time, Daily Thinkers, keep thinking, keep questioning, keep asking the Lord to do something in your life and crush these idols, man, because I'm sick and tired of them. I won't do nothing with them no more. We out until next time. We'll see y'all later.